Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. God gave me a Ferrari because I am a Ferrari. You're a Ferrari too. When God made you, he had all the options put on. You are fully loaded and totally equipped. So do this with me. Where did we ever come up with the style of preaching we have today? There is some entertaining preaching, but not convicting preaching, and the legacy has been tragic. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And away we go. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here. Ooh, this is a wretched radio against my better judgment. I'm going to push this button. One, seven, seven, two, eight, two, beep. One, seven, seven, two, eight, two, beep. That would be the number of the old toll free. Leave a message. Try to keep it pithy. That way, Jimmy doesn't have to edit you. You don't want that. One eight seven seven two eight two beep. You don't have to leave your name, but it's kind of nice when you do. Hi, Todd. I was just at an apologetics conference and heard a talk on Is There a Soul? And this gentleman gave a presentation proving that there's a soul based on philosophy and science without using scripture. I just wanted to hear your comments about that. Can we prove that there's a soul based on philosophy and science? I'm not sure how they got there. <laughs> I'm not sure that there is a scientific device to measure the soul. I think we can observationally identify human beings as the top of the food chain. But I I don't know how that tells us about a, a, a soul. The only place where we can receive that knowledge is the one who can see it. And that one is God. We are imbued with a soul. By the way, I think soul and spirit, one of the same thing. They're just used to make emphasis in the Bible. You have one of those, and it is eternal, and it seems to me that the same logic that might bring you to the conclusion that human beings have a soul would also then be applied to animals and potentially plants or any living being. So I don't know how they got there, and quite honestly, I don't need logic or science to tell me. I've got my Bible. I'm content with that. But if you want to call back and tell me how they did that, one eight seven seven two eight two. As a Christian, me and my wife have been talking about what we're going to do after we die, mm. cremation or burial. My wife wants to be cremated. I want to be buried. Is there something in the Bible that says either or is correct? Yeah, our leanings. But I don't want to make a law where there is no law. It would appear that the Bible points toward burial. Doesn't have to be in a box. Doesn't need to have a headstone. Frankly, that's a memorial marker. We see those in the Old Testament. But the Bible points toward burial, even in the Old Testament. You consider everybody who died, they were buried. If it identifies what happened to their body, they were buried. It was a pagan practice to burn the bodies. 
And so Israel just stayed far, far away from that. We don't have a specific command that says you can't cremate a dead body. So again, I wouldn't make it a law where there is no law, but I think when we scoot to the New Testament, being informed already in, well, sometimes fuzzy, sometimes not so fuzzy ways, there is going to be a resurrection. Don't forget about Daniel 12. You would go read the first few verses of Daniel 12, and you're going to go, that should be in the New Testament. (laughs) It's that clear about resurrection unto life. So it is in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, We learn more about the body, and we learn more about, hey, how ironic is this? The soul, the body is a precious thing. In Genesis, we're told that we're a mago day. Paul tells us that our bodies are a temple. In other words, these things have value. We do not just put value on the soul and forget about the body or vice versa. We put emphasis on both. We are physical, spiritual beings, not one, not the other. So the body has value to burn it also indicates that we are perhaps testifying that there isn't going to be a resurrection body. I know God is going to put together all kinds of bodies that have decayed, totally decomposed, have been spread out, have been lost in the seas. He's going to do that, but I don't think that diminishes the point that our testimony to the world when we bury somebody versus cremate is to say that body has value. It's an image bearer. It was a temple of the Holy Spirit, and it is going to be raised to new life. So to me, the positive side of the whole shebang is it's a positive witness and testimony. So your death, you can still be evangelizing. You can still be testifying about the goodness of God. So I would say, don't make a law where there is no law, but it all points toward burial. Now, for whatever this is worth, coming from one who, as a child, had horrors over the thought of being in a box in the ground, because I did, I was scared. And you remember those stories? I think they still float around that somebody was buried and it turned, then they dug them up and they were still alive. Uh, that, those, those sort of scenarios, they could, they concern me uh, really in almost to a debilitating way. I was horrified at the thought of it, but that's changed now. So I'm not, pro- I'm not promoting burial because I dig the idea of being in a box in the ground. I dig the idea because it is a testimony that God still has plans with this carcass. And as long as I brought up that subject, if you'd like to know what that carcass is going to be doing, your resurrected body would like to take this opportunity. Watch this, Jimmy. 50 Days of Heaven, a daily devotional that will take you to heaven and will paint a picture for you so you can know just what it is that you're going to be doing for eternity. one 282 I just watched your uh, podcast on open-air preaching, and I would like to encourage people to get out there and open-air preach. I'm an open-air preacher myself. There's a big freedom movement going on in Canada right now, uh, where I'm from. So I just want to encourage you, if you hear this message, just get out on the streets, lift your voice up, handle Bible tracks. We need 
men and women out there handing out tracts that have good theology in them and good doctrine in them. You don't really see much Reformed or Baptist uh, people out there preaching, so I would encourage you to get out there and, and start proclaiming the Word of God. Good on you, sir. Applause for that. We do need more open-air preachers. It is not a thing of the past. It is an effective tool for reaching the lost. And if you see... Now, up in Canada, I I know about this story. I have to confess, I haven't been tracking it very closely to see the details of it. But my understanding is there's just a lot of people. Jimmy, what town are they in? Ottawa, I think. Ottawa? I think so, yes. How did you say that? Ottawa? Ottawa? How am I supposed to say it? Ottawa. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like that. I'll work on it. If if you see an event, something, and it's like, hey, there's going to be big groups of people around. Is there a possibility to do some open air? Please note, just because you have a big crowd doesn't mean it's always wise to do open air. It could just be bad form. It could be something that is just considered rude. People get agitated just because you're ruining something that they have planned on doing. Having said that, there's plenty of opportunities for us to be out there. Ray Comfort, every day, used to be out in the open air. He and when he was in Christchurch in New Zealand, he was doing open air every day. He would go out into the center of town and he would stand on a soapbox and he would preach the gospel. He moves to California, goes out to the Santa Monica Pier weekly to do open air preaching. But in between Santa Monica and Christchurch, the ministry of Living Waters was ro- located across the street from a courthouse. Every morning, people were lined up outside. It is California, after all. They were lined up outside waiting for their court date. Ray Comfort would grab himself a bunch of tracks. I think they wrote one specifically for your court date. And he would get up on a little bench. People are standing. Excuse me, everybody. May I have your attention, please? And he would say it like he was an official. Your court date is coming very soon. I have important information to pass out to you. Please read it carefully. Down the line they'd go. Everybody took it like, oh, this is about my court date. This is about my court date. Then he'd go back to work. (laughs) It was brilliant. The question I think that we should all at least wrestle with, because I do believe there are indeed partnerships in the gospel. That there are, Paul identified the Colossians in that regard. Your your partners in the gospel, were they going out with Paul to the streets of the marketplace? No, but they were supporting him. They were praying for him. So I do believe that the people can hold the rope while somebody goes down in the well and be participating in evangelism. Having said that, I do think we should all answer the question, what could I be doing? Not everybody has the gift of open-air preaching. There are qualifications. It should be done in the context of your local church with some elder supervision. But you should determine, is it I? Could I be doing that? What could my church be doing? What could I be doing in my neighborhood? Where does God have me sovereignly placed? Because I'm here to be salt and light, not just to get along. I'm here strategically placed by God as a missionary on this planet to preach the gospel. Might I encourage all of us to ask the question, how could I be doing that more? This is Wretched Radio. Permit me to introduce you to Bree and Salvation Dominoes. 
pre-born style. When one person gets saved, they have that burning desire to just make him known the same way that was made known to them. And then it's just this domino effect. Bree currently volunteers at a pre-born life center. How did she get saved? From a friend whose mother got saved at, you guessed it, a pre-born life center. Why? Because pre-born, it is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. And look at the domino effect. Would you please consider supporting pre-born centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. Question, do you also watch TV? All right, don't mock me. That's a legitimate question because some Christians don't and that's okay. But I did want you to remember that Wretched is also on TV. 135 Christian networks to be exact. Wretched TV is hosted, of course, by Todd Friel and is a daily 30-minute program containing live witnessing encounters and conversations about tough theology stuff. You can find us on TV, our website, wretched.org slash TV, and also on Roku, Amazon Prime, Truly, and Amazon Fire TV. And it's only possible by the kindness and generosity of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? You can help us continue making Wretched available to everyone and also help us in our mission to reach the lost, equip the saints, and strengthen the local church. Find out how you can become a Wretched Gospel Partner just by visiting Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MediShare, Affordable Biblical Health Sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Know your church fathers. Clement of Alexandria was an apologist in the late 2nd century. He ran a school in Alexandria, Egypt, where he instructed new converts and trained Christian apologists. He taught that only Christianity, with its revelation from God in the Bible, has the answers regarding creation, good and evil, and salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Wow, what got into me? This is Wretched Radio. I was about to sing the Beep Talk song. That would have been a terrible mistake. That's like, that's Chris Tomlin's range right there. one 282 beep I think we got a lot of uh, uh, listeners that would appreciate if you did. Sing? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> if anybody's listened to this, you've heard my singing. It is a train wreck. It's not a car wreck. 
It's a tr- <laughs> like one of those long ones where you used to count the cars. There was over 100 cars. That doesn't even come close to comparing to the singing that you would hear from me. But as long as Jimmy brought it up, I will prove my point because I want to win this debate, Jimmy, because after all, it's about winning debates. <laughs> I just Did I tell you that I, I, I was with Daryl Harrison you, a couple mm-hmm. of days ago? Mm-hmm. And we were talking about engaging with people regarding CRT issues. It was really fascinating to hear his perspective on things. It, it really, and it was, it was so helpful. And one of the things that he said, kind of a drive-by quickie, and I went, wait, 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 you got to stop and park the car and just camp there a little bit because that is an important concept. And it's not easy. When you're talking to somebody, you're engaging in a contentious issue. It's covid it's CRT. Those two issues, especially, it seems to me, just it, it, we're, 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 we're like the rabbit in the, the, the hat with, on, on Rocky and Bullwinkle. Hey, Rocky, want to watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat? And then, rawr, it's a lion. That's how we tend to respond. You bring it up and you disagree with me on masks or vaccines or social distancing, any of the myriad issues surrounding COVID. And hoofda, we can we can go to the mattresses, ditto with CRT. And Daryl said something very quickly. You know, you don't you don't ha- you don't have to win every argument. Now, please note, he didn't say that you're not trying to win like the big argument, but you don't have to win every point along the way. Sometimes you just don't even need to acknowledge it. Somebody says something dopey, and you just you don't have to go out into the weeds. Because all it does is bring you out into the weeds. And then you have to get back on track to try to get to destination truth anyway. That is not easy because I think we all have the ability, especially these days with social media, with watching debates on the cable news. You, you can't let anything slide. And please note this, by the way, it's it's not just practicing this skill. Please note, there are some people who do, and even if you disagree with them, don't assume they agreed with the opposite side just because they didn't address it. Okay. Somebody's having a debate and some evolutionist gets up and they talk about carbon dating. They talk about the ice columns. They talk about global warming. So they, they basically just splatballed a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> and the guy who's debating him, we'll just say it's Ken Ham. Didn't hit all the points. Doesn't mean that he doesn't know about it. Doesn't mean that he's siding with him. It just means I'm determining in the moment that it's just not that important because I've got a a slightly different agenda here. And we've got to we've got to allow for that. And I think we need to try that with ourselves. Now, the bigger question in this, of course, is what is the victory? What's what what is the goal if we engage on covid CRT? Look, important stuff. I get it. And and it maybe doesn't go any further than that. But what do you want them to think like? What What is your goal in that? Because sometimes if we don't identify what it is, it's very difficult to find a destination we haven't determined. But I would like to also suggest to you that it should always be destination gospel, that it should always be we need an outside source to settle this debate. And we have one. So maybe rather than getting into a wrangle over this or that, how's about we go to the Bible and we try to figure out just what exactly 
God has to say about it. Now, Jimmy. Yes. Having said all that, I'm going to prove I shouldn't be singing on the radio. The worship album you've been waiting for is almost here. Let it rain on down. Let it rain on me. <laughs> Join Todd Friel for a worship experience like no other. <laughs> I wake up feeling so sad. <laughs> Things are happening that are bad. It's enough to make me mad. <laughs> but you can make me glad, 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 glad. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm so glad because you make me glad. Get pumped up with Todd Friel. I want to feel your heartbeat. I want to feel your heartbeat. I want to feel it, feel it. I want the beat. Feel it. The beat. Feeling the beat. 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 Feel the beat. Get your copy the day after the rapture. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never ask you to sing again. I'm sorry, what? I said, I'll never ask you to sing again. Point, Point taken. Okay, but you know how this game works. You don't just win the point. You demolish the opposition. (laughs) The worship album you've been waiting for is almost here. Let it rain on down. Let it rain on me. We get the point, for real. (laughs) 1-877-282-BEEP. That is the number of the toll-free. Try to keep it pithy if you'd be so kind so that Jimmy doesn't have to do a bunch of editing. 1-877-282-BEEP. Hi, Mr. 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 Todd, a pastor that me and my family have been committed to in our church moved to another location. We decide to follow and watch him online. Now, you say we should be going to a church, but when we don't feel connected to the church anymore, is it wrong for us to leave the church and keep our dedication to the pastor? Or should we turn around and say, the path is gone. We need to keep the dedication to the church. Okay. There's there's two things that you said. So I've got a limited amount of information here that I'm working with. You just said, should do I do I stay or go where I feel I should be? And the answer is no, you're, you're gonna have to reject that because if you if you have emotions leading the debate. You're, you're just going to come up with what you prefer as opposed to what is wisest. Let's, let's see if I understood this scenario right. You're a church A, and it's a good pastor. He moves cross town to church B, and you're wondering, should I go to church B to follow the pastor? Am I committed to the pastor, or am I committed to the church? I would say the answer to that question is the church. And, and the assembling of saints, because don't forget, you've got more than one relationship with the pastor. You have it with everybody else inside of the church. Now, having said that, could I understand that somebody would say, look, this guy is a really good preacher and the replacement guy is, well, not. And it's better for my family to go. I could understand that, but then you should work through that process thoughtfully, carefully, and transparently to make the best decision for your family. And you could decide that is the best for my family, but there's other criteria beyond the good guy left. 
you will need to analyze pretty much line by line each one of the issues. Family, am I moving because of programs? Does this guy preach orthodox orthodoxically? Is that a word? I think it is now. I think if you say orthodoxically, you say it twice and it is a word. <laughs> he preaches the word accurately enough. He's just not as good as the old guy. I think that your first commitment would be to that church as opposed to going after the pastor, unless there are other issues and considerations. The issue of leaving a church, it's a big one. And, and if nothing else, if, if you said to, to me, what do you think? I guess this would be a question. So if you asked me, what do you think is like the one nugget that we should all hold on to before we skedaddle? And I, and, I think, and I think the one nugget would be slow your roll. Slow your roll. And you need to bring in outside counsel because you will be emotional about this. So many scenarios. You're in a legacy church. Your grandparents started it, and now the thing is a shambles, and, what's, and I just want to get it. You're just, you're just going to have a lot of emotions. And I'm not saying you should stay or go. I am saying just do it slowly and carefully and thoughtfully and transparently Because if you can't leave a church on good terms with that pastor, something's off. And a good pastor, you want to talk about a good pastor? You show up at his church and say, hey, pastor, love your preaching. We'd like to to start giving and, and participating here. Where do you come from? Oh, that other that other church, you know, they they just started doing they've got the Hillsong music and I'm really just kind of tired of the place. Uh-huh. Did you discuss this with your pastor? No. He you can never get a hold of the guy. A good pastor is going to say get a hold of the guy. Then come back and have a talk with me. Because moving from one church to the other shouldn't be done in the shadows. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, we start today with positive news. Bible Gateway has announced the removal of the Passion Translation from its library. And it's honestly hard to call it the Passion Translation because it's not a translation at all. But Brian Simmons, the creator... He was smart by putting the word translation in the actual name. But again, it's not a translation of the Bible. It's rather a really weak, a really loose, and just a really bad paraphrase. The Passion Translation has been backed by Hillsong's Bobby Houston and Bethel's Bill Johnson, and that should tell you all you need to know about it. Kudos to Bible Gateway. Virginia Senate Democrats stayed on brand earlier this week when they rejected a bill that would have protected babies from being murdered in late-term abortions. Senate Bill 710, also called the Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act, would have prohibited murdering babies after 20 weeks of pregnancy. But Senate Democrats in Virginia showed zero care or compassion for those babies by rejecting the legislation. So are you a TikTok user? If so, you're soon going to be forced to use incorrect pronouns 
and tell other lies if you want to remain on the platform because TikTok announced an update to their guidelines this week that will ban dead naming. That's the use of a transgender person's pre-transition name. And also, you must never misgender another user by using their correct pronoun. Here's the deal. It's not just TikTok. I'm not a prophet, but I'd be willing to bet a donut that we'll see other social media platforms follow suit before the end of the year. Here's news that'll make you feel safe and protected. All over the world, other countries are building militaries of good soldiers ready for battle. But in the U.S., our military seems to have switched their focus to create inclusion and equity. Those are necessities, according to the Department of Defense. <laughs> our enemies aren't laughing at us. But that doesn't matter because we will have an inclusive and equitable military, whatever that means, to the men and women who serve this country for the right reasons. Thank you. And now, a public service announcement from NPR. I bet you didn't know that if you use the yellow thumbs up emoji, that's white privilege. Yep. According to some academic -y people, they say if you use yellow emojis instead of white, you're lacking awareness of your white privilege. <laughs> and here I am all along thinking it was just laziness because I didn't want to long press the emojis and wait for the little screen to pop up so I could pick the white one. <laughs> it's been my white privilege all along, not my laziness. My wife was wrong about that, but I'll let you tell her. More Wretched Radio is on the way. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible Nehemiah is the continuing story of exiles returning from Babylonian captivity. In this book, the people rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and renew the covenant under the leadership of Nehemiah. Despite opposition, the wall is rebuilt in 52 days, and it's perceived as a work wrought by God. God will bless that work which brings Him honor. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Count your blessings. This is Wretched Radio. Was going to offer Jimmy the opportunity to pick some more of our Laodicea worship, and we've got oodles of it. We have Aerosmith worship, Air Supply worship. Bon Jovi. I don't know how much deeper I can go. Bon Jovi worship. Guns and Roses worship. Sean Connery worship. Journey worship. We got it all. But Jimmy, we're not going to give you the opportunity to pick one of those nightmares. Okay. They're just too brutal. So count your blessings. one 282 beep Okay, fine. Pick one. Which one do you want out of the Laodicea? <laughs> you saw you saw it in my face. Didn't you? I did see it in your face, and frankly, I don't mind it either because they are quite amusing. Which do you prefer in Laodicea worship? You got Aerosmith, Air Supply, Bon Jovi, Elton John, Fire and Rain, George Michael, GNR, Journey, Led Zeppelin, Queen, and Sean Connery. One and two, soft rock worship spoof. Ooh, could we do a sp soft rock spoof? <laughs> okay. That's the <laughs> feel like just pretend you're watching a time life infomercial. Do you remember those great love songs from the eighties? Well, now they're on a Laodicea worship album. I was right. <laughs> Featuring Chicago. New from Laodicea records, a collection of your favorite soft rock worship songs from the artists you love. The 
songs are the perfect way to tell God how you feel about Him. Have I told you lately that I love you? Feel the sweet, sweet love of God while you worship along with these soft rock classics. How sweet it is to be loved by you. You and your loved one can be swept away to paradise by these songs of praise. Lost in the love of God. Buy your copy of Soft Rock Worship today. So much for counting your blessings. One eight seven seven. Which one were you going to pick, Jimmy? Which one do you want? Uh, Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin worship. This is going to be the other side of the scale from Soft Rock Worship. <laughs> Laodicea Records is barely willing to present Worship from Led Zeppelin. Sing along with songs that mention heaven. She's buying the stairway There are songs that mention the Lord. Song could be talking about the ten plagues of Egypt. Give all your love to God. Led Zeppelin worship is available now, whether you want it or not. <laughs> Quite honestly, I don't think we do. One eight seven seven. Oh, wait a second. We have professional sound effects here, Jimmy. 1-877-282. Mr. Friel, I had a question in regards to honoring your mother and father. If you've had a mentally or physically abusive mm. relationship, can you still honor them while not having a relationship with them as an adult? Answering the question, which is always a nice thing to do, answer the exact question, yes. Yes, you can. You can honor them by not speaking ill of them, by not telling people how terrible they were, by not slandering or defaming them or holding animosity in your heart, talking about it constantly with your sibling. You can continue to honor them while keeping your distance. There are some times, and isn't this true with too many relationships these days, if there's physical violence involved, uh, you do not need to stay in the house. You don't need to stay friends with somebody, even if it happens to be your parents, if they are physically abusive. Call the authorities. Get them. They have moved outside of their relationship into the realm of the government, whose job it is to punish people who do bad things to God's children. So you do not need to stay in that relationship. Now, having answered the question, I would at some point if I knew you and I understood the timing of this, which is why this might land a little sour for you if you happen to just you've just escaped. I'm not telling you that immediately you need to consider how might the relationship be reconciled, but grow toward a willingness to do that so that perhaps someday it might seem far off right now. You might be able to have a safe relationship with them. Is it mandated? I'm. I we we want to we want to try to reconcile with people. We don't want to be at war with anybody, especially our parents and children. 
Does that need to happen lickety-split? I don't think that's very pastoral. But try to work on cultivating an attitude that says, all right, they hurt me. They did. They said abusive things. They did abusive things. But I have been forgiven so much, God still used that in my life to make me what I am today, and everything he does ultimately is good. Therefore, I'm going to work to see if there might possibly be a way that we could reconcile. Having said that, don't do anything where you would jeopardize your physical life or, or being abused, you do not have to expose yourself to that. And if you discover, whoop, it's still that way, then it's time to skedaddle again. one 282 And I'm sorry, that's awful. That's awful. I mean, I, 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 I had, okay, I had a pretty verbally abusive stepdad. Never, never beaten, though. Never, never physically abused. And so I, I just think an awful lot of Christians still feel the effect of that. They still feel the pain from their childhood. The ones that should protect them hurt them. And please, please note, when you look around on Sunday morning at, your, at the congregation that you're a part of, you can rest assured there are people there who had abusive parents, and they are still hurting one eight seven seven two eight two. One of the things that has always confused me about the modern depiction in the church is Satan. Now, the Bible presents him as a creation of God that is made to test people. And in that way, we sort of keep that interpretation of Satan, but now we just call him the devil, which the Bible does not do. I was just wondering what your thoughts on the matter are and how you would possibly explain that when in the Bible, Satan and the devil are two different things, why we call them the same now? I don't know that it does identify two different enemies. I think those words are synonymous. There's other words that are used, by the way. Prince of Darkness, Father of Lies, Beelzebub. There's a lot of different references to that very same fallen angel who rebelled against God. And by the way, sir, when you said that he was created to tempt people. No, he was created to glorify God. He fell. And the and the devil prowls around the earth like a roaring lion, another name for the same character. And he does all kinds of things, but only with the permission of God. In the book of Job, you see this where it's a very formal sort of setting. I don't know that it actually operates like this because my suspicion is that the devil just has all kinds of devious plans and he loves wreaking havoc wherever he can. And unless the Lord stops him, he, he, he'll he do those things. In the book of Job, you see him asking permission. Actually, God is the one who brought up Job, but the devil had to receive permission from God to go do really terrible things to Job and to his family. Because the devil is God's devil, and he is on a leash, and the Lord lets it out, and he pulls it in as he sees fit, and he is never complicit in the activities or the destruction of the devil. God is, remember, there's a difference between cause and causality. The, God is the ultimate cause. The causality is the devil. So God, therefore, is not responsible for what the devil does. How do we know that this is the same person? Well, 
First of all, if it weren't the same person, I think the Bible would identify it pretty clearly the way that he does, by the way, in the book of Revelation with Antichrist. That appears to be a totally different character who's empowered by the devil, but isn't the devil himself. So how do I know that these terms are synonymous? Well, I understand the analogy of Scripture. I'm informed by what the Bible says about subjects like this. And in the context, we see that the one that we call an assortment of names these days is the one and the same. Lucifer, there's another one. He is a fallen angel. And I think we all do well to remember that he too is going to end up in a lake of sulfur because hell was actually prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what it was made for. Now, people who don't repent and put their trust in Jesus Christ, they're going there to be certain. But if you think that it's going to be the devil who's running around in the dark giving people kidney punches and giggling about it, no. He's going to be chained. He's going to be bound. He's going to be weeping and gnashing his teeth. That is his lot. This is Wretched Radio. Hey, Tomorrow Club supporter, this message from Paul Marty, the director of the Tomorrow Clubs, is just for you. You know, it's been more than 25 years now since my wife Cindy first brought leaders and kids together for the very first Tomorrow Club. Hundreds of thousands of lives have been touched. We're grateful for all the ways you help kids in forsaken places learn to follow Jesus. Thank you for your support of the Tomorrow Clubs, $30 a month, Disciples 30 Kids in Eastern Europe and now in Africa, where Tomorrow Clubs anticipates they could be opening up 100 new clubs in a year. Would you please consider becoming a Tomorrow Club supporter? Kids clubs that meet in forsaken places, they get loved on, they hear the gospel, they memorize Bible verses, and they're getting saved. To support your own Tomorrow Club, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. I want to share with you voicemails we receive nearly daily here at Wretched. Wretched Radio has just really impacted my life. Just really brought me closer to God. Through your video, God saved me. Wouldn't know what to do if I didn't have NRB and Wretched TV. Just wanted to say that Wretched has changed my life. We are grateful to hear the testimonies of our listeners and our viewers, and we want you to also hear the lives that are being impacted by you, our gospel partners. These testimonies aren't about Todd. They're not about Wretched Radio or TV. We wouldn't be able to do the things that we do at Wretched without the support of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider becoming a gospel partner today if you aren't already? Help us to reach the lost all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ because ultimately the glory is all His. It's not Wretched's. It's not even yours. But it is your efforts that help make our efforts possible. And all of those efforts are to the praise and glory of God alone. Get complete details right now at Wretched.org slash donate. Good news, there are actually thousands of pastors in Germany. The bad news is they're not very equipped. Theological training in Germany and in Europe is so needed because you don't really get any formal training, not in a church or anywhere else. Being at a PMAI training center, probably the first time that you ever get any formal training, how to understand scripture, the church, and how to apply it in your own life. Germany is not the only nation that has a drought of qualified pastors, but the Masters Academy International is changing that one country at a time, currently in 17 nations, 
with many seminaries with graduates from the Master Seminary training indigenous men to rightly divide the word of truth. Would you please consider adopting your own seminary in one of 17 nations? Please visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Attributes of God. Exodus chapter 20 verse 5 tells us that God is jealous. Jealousy is an intense desire to protect one's own glory, honor, and name. Since God is perfect, it is only right for Him to protect His own glory. Take comfort knowing that God will receive glory, and His glory is good for you. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. That's right. More beep talks. the number of the old toll free we would be muy grateful if you would call and leave a message try to edit yourself so jimmy doesn't have to and then you will be upset with jimmy because you don't think that he treated you fairly we don't want that so try to keep it like zip zip zippy one eight try to be totally unlike what was dia lupa was that her name (laughs) on the colbert show dua lipa Dua Lipa. I wasn't trying to make fun of her name. I just don't recall it. And it's right. an unusual name for those of us in the West. But she was going to, she tried to interview Colbert. Mm. It took her two minutes to like pull it together as if we're all just sitting on bated breath waiting to hear what comes out of your mouth. Oh, man, that was rough. One eight seven seven two eight two. Hey, Todd. Recently had a family member, a cousin who cheated on his wife and lacks any repentance. He was raised in a Christian home, Christian family. His parents' doctrine, I don't know if they fully understand good biblical doctrine, but I'd say they're Christians. But my brothers and my cousins and I have all hung around this cousin who was a believer as far as we were concerned, but he has no repentance. Left his wife and family, three young kids. We've all tried to reason with him. So... My question is, we're finding ourselves not wanting to hang out with him or be around him. We've witnessed to him, we have, and he knows the truth of the gospel. He's grown up in it, but then some of us are feeling terrible about that, that we're leaving him to the wolves. Yeah. Anyway, I'm wondering, what, how do we handle that? So many dynamics to this scene, which is all too common. There's one consideration that I, I think can't be overlooked, and that would be talking to the spouse. As uh, How does she feel? about you staying involved in his life, if you could sit down with her to say, look, we know what he did. We're, we're, we're on your side. We, we get it. We're so sorry. What he did was totally wrong, but we're trying to stay in his life to rescue him. You okay with that? I don't think we should overlook that. Having said that, should you stay in the person's life? I, I think in general, yes. Because you're not doing church discipline unless you're in a congregation together. You're still family members, still cousins. There could be events, the dynamics, they get all funky. I I don't think you need to feel guilty about that. But what I would encourage is that you engage with the fellow by setting some ground rules. And I don't mean like, this is what you have to adhere to. But, But this is why we're staying in a relationship with you. Because despite what you have done, we still care for you. We still love you. 
and we want to remain in your life and have a relationship with you. But we don't want you to confuse our kindness with any sort of approval of the horrible things that you've done. So we are going to love you, and we'd like to stay in your life, but please note, we would still continue to call you to repentance. What you've done is wrong, and more than that even, you are living in willful, unrepentant sin, and we are terrified about what is going to happen to you if you die today. So I think that by establishing that, I I think that you could have a relationship with him, but I would do it mindful of, of this point, which 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 sometimes I, I I we all do this. We all we have a propensity to do this. I need to stay in that person's life so that they get saved or so that they hear the gospel. Now, God can preach the gospel to him through a rock if he chooses to. So I I I I, I I don't know that you have to feel like you're on the hook for that. In fact, I would actually go further and say, don't be on the hook for that because you're not on the hook for that. We have a tendency to think, if I don't, God won't. And God doesn't need us. And I share that, not to rain on anybody's parade, but to actually help us to go, oh, okay, all right, good. Okay, so when you're with your cousin, you went out and you had... Coney Islands. I don't know why those just came to mind. Do people even make those anymore? The Coney Islands with the, they don't even call them that, I'll bet. There yeah. must be some new fandangled name. <laughs> Coney Islands. So you go to, you go to get the, the Coney corn dog. You go to get the hot dog with the chili on top and the mustard and the onions. And you didn't witness to them. Ah, I didn't. Just let yourself off the hook. God does the saving. You've told me that you've preached the gospel to him. He knows the truth. You're not the one to regenerate him. You're not the one to convert him. So you can be, I think with the former spouse's permission, in a relationship with him in order to have every opportunity that you possibly can to preach the gospel. Jimmy, you got anything else to that? Because I felt like the guy's heart is broken. Yeah, I feel like it is too. But there's, I mean, there's only so far you can take it. Which which part? Uh, I mean, just, I don't, you don't move, you don't move out of his life, but there's only so you can't make the guy repent. You can't make the guy repent, and most likely, quite honestly, if you're still remaining to be light, he's probably not going to want to be in much of a relationship with you, hmm. because even if you don't say a word, your godly behavior will be a stench in his nostrils, and nobody likes to be around a really funky smell, and that's what we are. We we, we just we are, our odor is different. Because we are in Christ, and if we are living that way, it should cause people in some way, shape, or form to go, you know, I think I'm a little uncomfortable with you. one 282 Hi, Dr. Dr. Frio. Adam here. Church sign for you. Adam, we've talked about this. You need to dial back on the crack, man. Hi, Dr. Dr. Frio. Adam here. Church sign for you. Church sign says God does not care which football team wins. But your pastor does. Yeah. Go Rams. <laughs> Both of those sentiments are bad. Because <laughs> really, we're going to use church sign space to let everybody know the pastor's football proclivities. Okay. 
waste of space. But God actually does care about who wins. Don't be deceived by that. We need to understand what the word cares means. It's not like he's like, oh, I sure hope the Rams win this year. Oh, the Bengals. That Joe, what's the kid's name? The 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 player from Cincinnati, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. He was. He, I think he's a Roman Catholic kid from Louisiana. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm surprised. You know, who's in the Super Bowl, Don? Uh, you know what? I've seen commercials. Otherwise, <laughs> totally oblivious. So for when when the Buccaneers lost, I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know if I, it, that was the end for for them. I it, thought it was still the regular season. No, no. Wait until college football becomes pro football too, when they start paying the kids for their image and likeness, yeah, when they, they start are. paying them. It won't be long. They're going to have agents, and it's going to become as commercialized, and I'm going to be as disinterested in that as I already am in professional football. God cares more than I do is what I'm trying to say, but it's not like a longing, oh, I hope the Bengals pull it off this year. God's already determined who's going to win. They're going to go out there and actually play. They are going to actually need ice baths when they're done. They will feel the hits. They will feel the euphoria. It is a genuine, actual experience, and yet God has determined who's going to be the winner. So God does care. I I remember years ago, because different football teams, you know, we really think God is on our side on this one. I've been praying to God that we would win. So the question then, of course, is, ooh, whose prayers were heard? Because there's Christians on both sides. And the answer is God has already predetermined it. We could get into a conversation about prayers, but we're not going to. God knows the end from the beginning. And so he has an interest in it because he's working it out. There are people who are going to be impacted by who wins the Super Bowl. I'm not going to feel it much because I I doubt we're going to watch it. Maybe I'll watch the last 10 minutes of it as we hear the announcers go, well, it really wasn't the matchup that we were hoping it was because so often the Super Bowl is a complete turkey. But it will tune into the end of the 10 minutes. We'll watch the thing. And whoever wins, it's going to impact their city. There are people who are are going, okay, I'm the confetti salesman, and if we do the parade because the mayor said we're going to have a parade if our team wins, oh, I'm going to be able to make my budget this year. That that's God is aware of that. For, for, for the individual who is responsible for the printing of the jerseys, the Super Bowl champ jerseys, you got one vendor that's maybe in Cincinnati, the other in Los Angeles. Somebody is going to be impacted financially. God is in control of all of it. All of it. He's got it all down. So I would say terrible church sign on two counts, but God actually does care. There was another church sign, Jimmy, that I received that, boy, it could go on the top 10 list of terrible church signs. I can't recall. Sorry, I can't say what your name is. I can't recall it. Sent me a picture of a sign, and it said, I want to be like Paul. Get ready for this. On the road to D-Mask-Us. D-Mask-Us! Hi-yo! I've got an opinion about masks, too. I don't think it should go up on a church sign because I don't want to repel people (laughs) who maybe think that they work. But I don't want to tip my hand on this. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.